This is Rockin' Vino, the podcast about wine and music and how the two go so well together. Find new episodes every Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever podcasts are offered. Find the show online at rockinvino.com and on social media at rockinvino. How's it going? I'm Coco. And this is Mike. And this is Rock and Vino, the podcast where we talk about wine and music, and uh, sometimes delicious food and uh, other really fun stuff. And uh, this is going to be a cool one. This mixes everything we do together. This it may be more so than we've ever done it. I think so. We're we're in for an experiment today, and I'm I'm so excited. Uh, and our our guest today comes by way of MIT, which I think is also first for this show. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, he is uh, Clark Smith. He's a winemaker. He's with uh, Winesmith Wines here in Santa Rosa, and he knows a little bit a little something about uh, pairing music and wine and and how they go together. So, yes. Clark, thanks for joining us. Uh, well, it's a, it's a real pleasure, Mike. Thank you. Uh, I do want to start off by saying that I didn't dream up any of this stuff. <laughs> I was telling you about Don Blackburn. He and I used to work for uh, the Benzigers, and we'd go out in the woods and think deep thoughts. And he's the one that came up with these experiments. That's and great. So he died of cancer uh, about a decade ago, and so I've kind of picked up the torch. But uh, it was really Don's genius. Wow. And and how, so you guys were out like in a field just young and carefree and just kind of like came up with the idea of like how would it how would wine and music pair together and how did that come about well how it started was i have been critical for a long time of i've got two degrees from uc davis but i'm critical of their sensory approach where they like the aroma wheel where they try to pull the wine apart into its pieces and i don't think people maybe they maybe they're interested in in muscat because it's really muscatty and so you want to amp up the muscat element which is called linalool and and push everything else down yeah maybe that has some value for simple wines but when it comes to something profound uh you know like uh well i think you'll see in these reds i'm gonna pour that it's not about a single element it's about how it all works together just like music Absolutely. You know, wine is music. It's, and so uh, he wanted to show that you could do holistic science. And that's why he came up with this experiment of pairing a piece of music with a wine. And he showed there were about 100 of us out there in the woods thinking deep thoughts. And, and he showed that even though there are six ways to match up three wines and three pieces of music, almost 90% of the people in the room, about 100 of us, all went one way. And so that gave us very highly statistically satisfying proof that there really was something going on. And you say that both music and wine both have a kind of emotional attachment That's to That's why I think, you know, cognitively, they're really the same thing. Everybody knows, everybody can tell a, a sad song from a happy song, from a sexy song. Uh, even if it's not in the language that you speak, you know, it's not in the lyrics. It's just in the way the melodies are deeply embedded in the DNA. Mm-hmm. And so I think wines do that, too. And you can learn. Maybe we'll do a little teaching today about how you can figure out what the emotion that a, that a wine carries is. By and large, you know, the, the you know, like white zinfandel or the rieslings little sweet riesling those are sort of happy uh wine and and they go good with happy music but but if you play a polka with a cabernet you're in big trouble (laughs) (laughs) 
Don't do that. No yeah, polka. it's cognitive dissonance. And, <laughs> and, uh, we'll, we'll play around with that. Well, I love how in your, your book, um, so in your book, Postmodern Winemaking, you have a chapter in here which is titled Liquid Music. Which Yeah, that's the last chapter of the book. Kind of sums so, everything up. That's so fun. So if you guys want to read more on that, be and sure to pick that up. I think this, we've talked about... Um, you know, mixing wine music a few times in the past, and I think you're the first person who has, uh, you know, we'll be going through this later that uh, the wine, or the music can make the wine better, but on the other hand, it can also make it worse if you have the the, <laughs> oh, the, yeah. the bad pairing there. How, right. how are those two things? How do they kind of play off each other? Well, it, you know, it kind of means you need to feng shui your life. You know, <laughs> it's it's music is a is is a very powerful way of carrying emotion but even the color of the wallpaper can make a difference in uh in the way a wine tastes and so you have to be aware of your environment it's not in the bottle it's funny because i was um talking to somebody about this before and um they were saying that you know they're uh i think they're a psalm or you know educated in wine and whatnot so they were taught a certain way to mm -hmm. taste wine and they were like i don't know if music is going to change my perception but it's like well yeah because when you're practicing you're typically in a silent room with you know no, no outside influences you're strictly focusing on the wine so when you bring in these other these other aspects of life you know music the color the light all the ambient stuff i mean i would imagine that it would um have an influence on, on sure what you're it does tasting. but you have to understand there's no such thing as a neutral environment right that's true and not only that but the environment that they're trained in has absolutely no connection to the environment in which people will be drinking the wine <laughs> that's true absolutely well shall we shall we get to the yeah we, we've got quite a little uh experiment set up here wine, okay yeah. well we're gonna this is doing. a two-part experiment the first thing i'm gonna do and and you know before i do that i want I'm going to make a couple of promises. Okay. One of them is by the end of this show, your listeners will never think about wine the same way. Ooh. Love that. And the other is that they'll have the tools to enhance their experience of drinking every wine that they open for the rest of their lives. Cool. Wow. So you can hold me to that. Yes. Now, the experiment I'm going to do here, uh, and it's also on my website, <laughs> if you just go to whoisclarksmith.com and click on music. All this stuff is there. And this is an experiment we did on NPR a few years back. And oh. so they can replay it there. Fun. Uh, so what we've got here, uh, just go ahead and taste that first wine. This is uh, Glen Ellen Chardonnay. And it's uh, the largest selling Chardonnay in the world. It goes for about five bucks. And uh, it's very simple wine. It's got golden delicious apples in the nose, not very much oak. Doesn't have very much alcohol. I particularly want you to pay attention to the nature of the tannins. So we've got this is what we call hard tannin, and it's the same tannin you get if you try to get your last nickel's worth out of a tea bag. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Where you wrap mm -hmm. the string around the spoon, you smash it with another spoon, you get that kind of tannin. This is tannin from pressing the grapes really hard because this is a really cheap wine and they need to get every drop. So <laughs> they're left with this tannin, and then they add some sugar. And the two, I think, balance pretty well. If the tannin wasn't there, this wine would be kind of hard to swallow, right? Because <laughs> of the sugar. But the tannin kind of dries it out at the end, and it's a good thing. It's a very simple wine. 
The second is, now this is uh, Carmine, and you could easily use the Rombauer or the, uh, uh, there's a Chardonnay called Butter. This is that style. So it's what we call your oaky toasty butter bomb with a little too much alcohol. So it's a little hot mm -hmm. and uh, buttery and toasty. Oh, really yeah. very little grape character to it. If you dig deep down, you'll see a little bit of pineapple underneath all that other crap. Uh, and then a little bitter in the finish because of the alcohol. And the tannin here is very different. This is not hard tannin. This is oak tannin. Mm. It's what we call parching, numbing tannin. Very fine on the front of the tongue. And uh, there's a numb spot in the middle. That's because oak has eugenol in it, which is a, uh, it's that orange stuff that the dentist puts on your gums. It's an anesthetic. And so <laughs> oak tannin is, is numbing. Interesting. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. Okay. So which one you like better and why? Um, I think I would go for the second wine just because it has a little bit more structure to it. Yes. Um, it's certainly richer. It's very generous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, if a little clumsy. Yeah, yeah. I think I agree on the second one. It it just feels like there's a little bit more to it, a little bit more. You, you, you there's more sense of the flavors, I guess. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah, the first one's a little more kind of restrained. All righty. <laughs> I like it. Now let me see if I can change your mind. Oh. Here's why we do the experiment. <laughs> if you're drinking along, feel free to grab a glass. <laughs> it's our first uh, so, drink along at home episode what i'm gonna do here is pair these wines with a piece of music that i think uh lines up with one of them and makes the other one taste just awful you tell me which one <laughs> So you make a face when you taste that second wine there, Mike. Uh, I th That was weird. <laughs> that was weird. So I, I think that that one would more naturally pair with the first wine, no? Right, because it's they're both kind of happy-go-lucky, uh, you know, uh, where the where the second wine is more serious. And, uh, and, and, and anyway, the, that oak astringency really comes out and mm -hmm. completely dominates the mm -hmm. wine. So yeah. you really can hardly drink it. Yeah. Whereas the hard tannin we were talking about before in the first wine kind of goes away and you gain richness. And now you'll notice, I, 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 I've done this hundreds of times, everybody has the same discovery. That's fine. Always works. So I'm, I'm telling you that this is very deep in our DNA. Yeah. Wow. Uh, 
So now... The, the second wine got very sharp. Or I, it did, yeah. yeah. It was weird. I, I, It almost brought out like, like, like flavors of pine for me, which is really interesting. Well, it is actually... I mean, that's exactly what's going on. It's, it's kind of like, you know, like when you suck on that the the stick on a popsicle and yeah it's the same effect yeah totally. okay well let's uh let's try ella fitzgerald doing saint louis woman and then we'll do the same experiment great So, you tell me whether you agree with me, but what I'm seeing is that the bitterness of the alcohol just melts into this kind of Bourbon Street, uh, you know, vibe that Ella's putting out here. And that pineapple that I mentioned that you could barely detect is now the dominant thing in the wine. Absolutely, yeah. Whereas the Glen Ellen now, that hard tannin really comes out and now you can you can see how it's just a cheap five dollar wine. Uh, yeah, it almost uh, on the um, on the Glen Ellen. It, it almost felt I don't know watering it down is the right word, but it sort of lost all the sense of it did. the flavor it had. The richness, right. yeah. So fascinating. I love this. I love this. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, I I contend. And, and you had mentioned Charles Spence, who yes. I have a lot of respect for. There's really three of us in the world that that look into this. The other's named uh, Mario Bartuccioli, and he's a professor at the University of Florence. And Charles uh, has a little different take than I do on this. I really don't think it makes any difference whether you like California girls <laughs> or even the Ella Fitzgerald. I think these effects just happen because of the emotional resonance that's going on. Charles doesn't think so. He, he, he thinks that, you know, you're uh, sort of massaging your libido with stuff that you like, and that makes you like the wine better. But I don't, I don't think so. And in fact, you can take your favorite piece of music and put it with your favorite wine. The chances are not very good that they're going to go together. <laughs> Well, I guess, um, I mean, we're going to go into some reds soon here, but um, I mean, I tend to like reds and rock and roll. Reds and rock and roll, how about that? Does that work out? Um, I recommend Cabernet Franc and Zinfandel. Ooh, I love it. Uh, in fact, the best wine and music combination I know. Yeah. I make really good Cabernet Franc. And uh, most people don't understand Cabernet Franc. It's not like Cabernet Sauvignon at all. But if you take my Cabernet Franc and uh, and just you go sit in the dark with something on fire and turn up Bruce Springsteen's Jungle Land all the way, mm. then it's just amazing the depth that that brings out of that song. Cool. Okay. Yeah. 
We'll definitely have to check that out. Now, if I remember right, when when we spoke with Charles Spence, a lot of what he talked about could be applied beyond music. I mean, it's sort of, like you said, it, it goes with preferences, and preferences can be kind of applied to, to anything. Uh, it seems like with this, this, this analysis, I guess, is specific to music, and I... I, I I don't know if it applies to other things, but it, it, the way I read it is that this is tailored specifically to musical emotions and wine emotions. Well, I I think there are, that not uh, how how should I put this? Wine has a broader palette of emotions than most beverages. Yeah. You know, for example, gin. You know, gin is not a celebratory beverage, uh, and you know it's for. A pity party. It is, and uh, and so it still carries emotion, uh, but it's just not the broader range that wine offers. I think the real take-home message here is that uh, that everything in the environment matters, and you, like I said, you have to kind of feng shui your whole environment <laughs> just to be aware of your surroundings, and uh, one of the most powerful ways to kind of bring an emotion is with music uh, but uh, th- everything else matters too interesting now what what's, um, what are we moving to here in the reds um, I'm gonna bring in now these are winesmith wines and I'm a little bit on the screwy side so <laughs> uh, this first one is a ninth is a 2008 uh, Pinot Noir, and to be honest, I didn't really like this wine very much when it was young. Mm-hmm. So I left it in really old French oak for ten years, wow. and uh, and now it's developed all kinds of nuances of. It's still quite fresh; still has a lot of cherries in it, but uh, but you'll see toasted marshmallow and marzipan and all kinds of goofy stuff in there. So Fun. it's a very complex Pinot. Sounds exciting. And then the other wine, uh, so that's actually a six-county mix. The other is a Lake County Cabernet Sauvignon 2013 with 78 months in the barrel, and and it's just a classic Bordelais Cabernet. Did you say a six-county mix on the first? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's got got, uh, Marin, Mendocino, Napa, Sonoma, of course, um, Santa Cruz Mountains, and Lodi. And I guess that's why it didn't really come together for a while. But now it's one of one one of the uh, you know people that love winesmith. This is often their favorite wine. Nice. But anyway, they're they're pretty good examples, I think, of Burgundy and Bordeaux. Those are very very different emotions. Mm-hmm. So, um, well. Why don't you mm. taste these, tell me what you think of them, and tell me which one you think is more tannic. The Pinot has a lot of fruit on it. It does, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And a lot of, a lot of fire flavors. Yeah. Sort of uh, bacon and... and uh, Absolutely. And then, the, did you say this was a, the second one was a Cab Franc? No, no, it's a Cabernet Sauvignon. Cab Sauvignon. 100%. Okay. They're, they're both from Winesmith, and they both retail for 50 bucks. It's interesting. I um, On the nose of the Cab Sauv, like, I immediately get, like, cinnamon. 
Yes, that's right. That's uh, that's actually clove, and okay. that's that's yes. coming from the barrel. Okay. Delicious. I mean, the Capsov definitely has more tannins for me, but they're nice, soft tannins. They're not overwhelming. Well, I use a, a lot of what my book is about is about building structure in in wines, and so I use. Uh, I was taught in France to do microoxygenation. Hmm which is basically what the Aztecs taught the Spanish, taught the Belgians, and how to turn cocoa powder, which is the most horrible thing you can put in your mouth, <laughs> and turn that into chocolate. Which, which everybody loves. Everybody kill their <laughs> grandmother for chocolate. So that's what, Microox is applying that same technique to kind of making a soft, light tannin souffle in the mouth. Nice. Yeah. So, well. What, um, what are we listening for here? Well, I'm going to try to reverse your opinion about which wine is more stringent. Okay. I like it. People are strange <laughs> when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are uneven when you're down. When you're strange. What'd you get, Mike? Interesting. I, I was trying to decide which one that brought out more. I think both of them were di- both of them were certainly different in that one. I I was leaning towards the Cabernet. I agree. Yeah. Same. Well, the Cab is very round and sweet mm-hmm. here, and it's because Cabernet is fundamentally, you know, doer and. Uh, and so is this piece of music. Mm-hmm. You could use a, a lot of, you, t- you mentioned Metallica. Um, uh, Beethoven's Fifth mm-hmm. works really great. Uh, now, Pino, Pino doesn't like dark and angry. Pino, <laughs> Pino is romantic. Mm. So now I'm going to reverse the effect and play a really nice Pino piece. A romantic song. So when you're celebrating Valentine's Day, which we just passed about, what, um, 15 days ago, go for a Pinot with a romantic song to elevate your experience with your loved one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let me pick something out here. uh, Or the cab, depending on your situation. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's true. If you're home alone, (laughs) still want to enjoy that, that Cabernet, listen to some Metallica. Uh, give me a second. I gotta find my Pino playlist here. Have you built a playlist for each? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's why it's taking me so long. I oh, just got a whole fine. phone full of this. And that's what you want to do. You want to find a piece that you really like that works well with the music. Just sit on the sofa with that bottle of wine in front of you, and then just uh, you know put on uh, either iTunes Genius or Pandora. And it'll match up songs that are either in your in your playlist already or uh, 
or, or that it'll find off the net. And uh, that's a that's a quick way, you know, in 20 or 30 minutes, you and your and your guests can put together a playlist for the evening, and then you'll have it uh, whenever you're ready to to uh, to play with. Uh... All right, I'm having trouble here, so let me just. I noticed there's a cat on the back of your label or a tiger. Is that right? Well, uh, the front label is a plantagenet lion dancing on an anvil so the you know this is because my wines are more or less bordelais and that was aquitaine you know the the english kings owned that property and the anvil chateau latour has a plantagenet lion uh, uh, on top of a tower and we have an anvil which signifies smith uh and then uh, it's kind of a yin and yang thing Love that. I'm a big uh, fan of the yin and the yang. Okay, so here's here's something pretty romantic. This is the London Symphony doing the love theme from Superman. Oh. Okay. I'm going to move it forward here a little bit. Now it's really silky, right? Very much so. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so weird how immediate it happens. I mean, as soon as the song's playing. That's why we know that it's not in the melody. Mm -hmm. it, It happens instantly. It's in the modality of the music. And now that that Cabernet is pretty much undrinkable. Yeah, it makes the, I mean, it's almost like sour, the Cabernet. When you, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So fast. Mismatch. Mm-hmm. Huh. Gotta watch out for that stuff. Mismatch of the vibe. So to reiterate, cabs are angry, pinots are romantic, <laughs> and Rieslings are cheerful. Yeah. That's fun. Right. I like it. So far, so good. And there's a lot more about that kind of stuff on the, on the site. Okay. If, if people go to whoisclarksmith.com, they can find, you've got some suggestions, I guess. Um, Lots for, of them. Yeah, for people if they want to start experimenting on this. This is so fun. <laughs> okay, so now... How long have you been doing this, Clark? Well, Don taught me about it in uh, in, in uh, 1992. Nice. And... You know, so we've done this hundreds and hundreds of times. And are we going to try the secret wine next? Uh, Well, before I do that, I want to show you this idea of an inclusive wine. Okay. Or or, or an, an inclusive piece. So, yeah, but this is really fun. I mean, you know, it it really has influenced... Um, uh, the way that the wine tastes and brings out the different notes and mm-hmm. some makes the wine more enjoyable. And it's cool because it's 
it's really an accessible thing. I mean, if anyone yeah. could try it at home tonight, I mean, you, you mentioned the prices on some of these. One of these, a five dollar bottle. I mean, you can try these at home for almost nothing. That's right. That's right. Um, all right. So, if you're in a tasting room or or a restaurant, let's you know people are drinking all different kinds of wine, and so what I tell sommeliers is what they got to do is figure out what's the motif of the restaurant what's the underlying theme the the best example that you guys know about this is that uh, 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 Pavarotti and and, uh, Andrea Bocelli that kind of music goes great with Italian wines Mm. all of them Mm -hmm. and so you, whenever you go into an Italian restaurant, they're just playing Bocelli all the time <laughs> uh, because it makes all the wines taste good. It works with Pinot Grigio and, and Chianti and Barolo and just kind of everything. So uh, we have to find those anthems for each winemaker yeah. so that when you're in the tasting room, everything tastes good. So I'm going to s- show you a couple of pieces here that, uh, that I think are great with, with both of these wines. So, uh, this is this is Ruben Romero doing something called Romanza. So it's kind of a it's full of pathos, but it's a flamenco piece. Mm. So it's romantic, but it's also kind of somber. And that kind of works with both of them. It does. So then let's... Uh, now, somebody pointed out to me that even though I like this kind of geeky music, uh, well, here's uh, Gershwin. You guys all know this one. So that's another Winesmith anthem. Now, do the anthems bring out the same things? Uh, it, no, does no. Does it have a similar it, you're effect looking or it's at, different? The songs can, are different from song You to can song. see that each some of these bring out the fruit. Some of them make the structure more solid. But they all kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, then somebody said, well, you got to try George Jones. <laughs> and this is when I realized that I really make very sad ones. <laughs> He said, I'll love you till I die. She told him you'll forget in time. Makes the Pinot really spicy. As the years went slowly by, she still prayed upon his mind. Oh, wow, yeah. Okay. So now for my big finale... Yay, the finale. I'm going to play a piece of music that makes all great red wines taste horrible. Okay. <laughs> and I'm pouring you guys a glass of Sutter Home White Zinfandel. Oh, I think that my parents served that at their wedding. <laughs> this was a long time ago. Well, if it was a happy occasion, I think that would be okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't pour my Cabernet at my wedding. <laughs> well, this was uh, before, I think... Anybody really knew much about wine? <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, so now you guys really know these wines, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I hope that that you share my opinion that they're they're pretty great wines. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to make them both taste absolutely horrible. <laughs> uh, anybody know what malorganite is? No. no. Malorganite is a high grade, very expensive organic fertilizer mm. that's made yeah. from the human waste of Milwaukee in the city of Milwaukee. That sounds horrible. It's pumped out onto Jones Island. And this is a song from a, a, a kind of four-to-the-bar grubby white boy <laughs> uh, band called the North Street Tavern Band. And this is a song called the Malorganite Blues. And it's about... Um, It's about this guy whose Polish girlfriend bags up (laughs) Malorganite on Jones Island. Mm, And it's murder (laughs) on all great red wines. I think it's murder on anything. (laughs) No, no, no. It's going to make the Sutter home Zinfandel. (laughs) White Zinfandel, the most delicious thing on the table by far. All right. I'm I'm ready for this. I'm ready to try this out. All right. And then I'll need you to testify. Okay. Don't spit up in the microphone. spicy mm-hmm. and and um but the Sutter home i was like I'm, i can keep on drinking that right now <laughs> it just kind of brought out like the sweetness and mm-hmm. almost like a light savoriness but like you know yeah it was really interesting it's almost like a i guess the strawberry kind of yes. element to it. you really got the fruit out of it a lot you did you did yeah i'm gonna give you a little palate cleanser here this is the gypsy kings fun and this is one of our anthems Okay. So this will make all the wines taste good again? We'll end on a high note? I'm not so sure about the white thing from there. <laughs> and this only works because there is an element of pathos in the music. Even though it seems like an upbeat tune, 
It's still got a little bit of angst in it. And, uh, I, immediate difference in the in the white Zinfandel. Yeah, yeah. it's not going to hold up. No, me. no. It brought like sour. Mm-hmm. It's sour. Yeah. It all everything that came through in the last song just kind of falls away. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, that's super fascinating. I think that's. This has been fun. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. Well, did I make good on my promises? Oh, you sure did. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> Absolutely. That is wild. Now, can this? Uh, is there? Can you mix in a food aspect on this? Uh, well, absolutely. To bring it all together? Everything. Ah, okay. Everything. Food definitely definitely counts. And do you talk about that in your book as well? I don't talk very much about wine and food. It's a pretty overworked It is, yeah. So just do you focus discussion. on the, the music primarily? But where I do talk about it is uh, I have a cooking show oh, on great. YouTube. It's called Gracious Living in the Time of Corona. Ah, I love and it. And I do a, a lot of, you know, easy to prepare stuff at home. I mean, like, why not grill a duck breast? Sure, it's 25 bucks a pound, but you and your wife can have, you know, each have one, and it's, it'll cost you less than a cheeseburger in a restaurant. So, <laughs> that ain't that the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't pay corkage either. So there's, <laughs> there's some upside to, to living at home and learning how to cook. Now, uh, we have a, uh, a final task for you that okay. is, uh, we give all our guests here. I I have a feeling that your answer will be very well uh, reasoned and analytical. So I'm very curious to see where you go with this. All right, Clark. So our question is, on a good day, when you come home, what do you drink? What do you eat? And what music do you listen to? Ah, well, actually, uh, I do a thing called Wind Down Fridays. Okay. From five to six, I do a a, a Zoom call and. Anybody can register for that on my site. Uh, And we talk about all kinds of stuff. Uh, I feel that there are Wine Down Friday wines. So, for example, I make a Lake County Petite Syrah that's really round and luscious and full of blueberries. And I don't think it's a profound wine the way these two are. It's just a kind of a back rub of a wine. And, uh, And so it has a lot of sort of reward hedonism in it you know wines like this are kind of for sunday dinner if you know what i mean when you when you're when you're already relaxed and you have the bandwidth to appreciate what's going on for for fridays it's more like more like just something generous and not too uh intellectual and then uh, what are you eating and what's on the stereo Oh, well, actually, uh, last Friday, I was doing half-shell oysters with my sparkling Grenache uh, Santa Cruz Mountain Brut Zero. You know, California sparkling wine doesn't need a dosage, and so it ends up with a much longer finish, and it's so great with with oysters, and now is the the best time of year for half-shell oysters in California. Oh, amazing. And what was the third question? What are you listening to? What music do you have on? Oh, that was, I was actually listening to, to J-Ru, which is uh, uh, Jerry Milligan and Chet Baker, so it was some uh, contemporary jazz. Awesome. 
Good Perfect. choices. If you want to find more from Clark, uh, definitely check out whoisclarksmith.com. One of my favorite URLs. It's a good URL. It is. It is. <laughs> uh, Winesmith Wines. If people want Winesmith Wines, are they... Same uh, place. The best way to find Oh, on the website. You just go to whoisclarksmith.com and click on the shop. Now, what you're going to see there is a drop-down menu for forgeries. That's because all the wines I make are European forgeries. Uh, these, you know, this is a Burgundy. This is a, a Poyac. And uh, and then there's also another drop down for oddities, so varieties you might not have heard of. I make California's only Norton, it's a Native American variety, and Petit Monsang and Saint Laurent, and all kinds of screwy stuff. So, uh, of course, there's a drop down for reds and whites if you're if you're a little uh, less adventurous. Forgeries and oddities with Clark Smith. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for taking us on this little musical tour here. Uh-huh. A, ton, a ton of fun. Been fascinating. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Well, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to show, show this to everybody. Cheers, everybody.